Instagram reached out to me my first year to do one reel for them to announce their bonus program. And even then I was like, how did I get on their radar? But then it took two years after that. I didn't hear from them for two years. And then two years later, they came back to me and now they come back to me all the time. Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Today on the show, we have an amazing guest to talk about so many interesting things about changing your career, changing your life, content creation, going out on your own passion. And I am so excited to welcome Car Bruhart to the show today. Hey, Crystal. Thank you. And thanks for pronouncing my Swiss last name correctly. <laughs> yes. It's actually not that difficult. And as we jump in, I will give you a little introduction here so everybody knows who you are and what your background is. Car is an official Instagram ambassador. She is part of the creator class of 2023. She has a wealth of knowledge background in social media marketing from working with the UN, Facebook, Michael Kors, and so many more. She is now a digital nomad moving around with her kids and husband and running her very own group coaching community called The Social Department, as well as working with Instagram. So we are going to have so many interesting things to talk about, and I just can't wait to dive in. Me too. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah. So tell us, because I think the most interesting thing to start with for everybody is that you were laid off from a job and that kind of really shifted gears for your life. So tell us, you know, kind of give us a background of what you were doing before, how that, you know, influenced you and got you on the path to where you are today. Yeah, it was a crazy, I call it my pandemic pivot that led me to where I'm at today, which is, um, you know, social media consulting full time. Uh, I have now a multi six figure business, and it's just been a complete roller coaster. So, right before I was living in Brooklyn at the time, I'm in Mexico City now, and this was two weeks before New York City shut down. I was nine months pregnant with my first child, and two weeks before giving birth, I lost my job. I was at the time head of social media and partnerships for a startup. And, you know, along with a lot of other businesses, they were forced to close down. And yeah, I found myself uh, giving birth the day the city shut down and I had no job. <laughs> so it was like, honestly, as somebody that's quite ambitious, quite um, career focused and oriented, goal oriented, I was really at a complete loss of of what I was going to do with my life. And I have to be honest and say that I actually thought that there was going to be a point that I would never work again. Like it was really rock bottom for a bit. Um, but I decided to just throw myself into motherhood, which is something that I never thought I would do or say. You know, I, I love being a mom. I've got two kids now, but it was never what I wanted to be when I grew up. You know, I was wanted to have kids. I love families and children, but yeah, I didn't want to just be defined by by being a mother. So 
I had been really fortunate. I had previous to this, um, I'd built up a bit of a rapport doing social media um, for the United Nations. I'd worked for um, I'd, I'd consulted for a few independent agencies in Berlin. That's where I lived before New York. And so through just my work on those campaigns and through my consulting, I started to get some word of mouth um, referrals. And so I was doing full, uh, full-blown social media management for people for like $500 a month, creating content, like all the strategy, like crazy. And it was all just coming in organically through my Instagram account, um, a different Instagram account a personal account. And so that kind of led me to think, okay, what if I start created co- start creating content around my knowledge and around the idea of helping people do this for themselves. And so around this time, Instagram had just launched Reels. So this is like um early they they launched Reels 2020. This is end of 2020 now. So around December 2020, I'm in Whistler. I'm from Vancouver. So I was in Whistler, BC and we're snowboarding and I start to like discover reels and I start to see people talking about how to grow on Instagram, how to build communities on Instagram. And I'm like, wait a second, like I know how to do this. And I've got some like great experiences working for the UN and building huge campaigns for companies like Google, even Facebook, um, Instagram. And so I'm going to start creating reels. And that's how it started. That is amazing. I've got to slow down and, and kind of back up a little bit because I'm really curious to know how you, you know, really felt about yourself after you had this great title, you were working at this great company and to get laid off. I mean, was it a total, you know, identity crisis that you were having at the moment when that was occurring? Cause I, I mean, I have three children, so I just know how stressful it is to be pregnant. I, you know, I, I'm also a lawyer. So I remember how stressful it was like looking for a job when you have the, all the student loans. And I'm just imagining all of that going on when you've kind of wrapped up with like, this is who I am. This is the title that I have. This is the kind of work that I'm doing. And all of a sudden you're going through all of that, but also becoming a mom, which is kind of a shift in identity too. Yeah. And I appreciate this question because no one ever asks this. And I think it's so important because it's like so easy to talk about all the shiny, like, oh, and now I do this and it's been amazing. But it's like, no, it was pretty shitty getting there. (laughs) Um, Right. And so I would actually even add a little bit more context to the story. Um, When I was five months pregnant with my daughter, I already, we already had rumblings in the company on the leadership team that things were not going well. Um, So distributors were already feeling the effects of what was going to be a full-blown pandemic. So we were actually told in advance, if you want to start looking for another role, go for it. And so I started interviewing at five months pregnant and I wasn't quite showing. I was, but I could still hide it. And it's so sad to say that you have to hide your pregnancy in corporate America. But I was in Manhattan and I was interviewing with like, you know, I had a dark, I remember it because it was, um, well, I was wearing, it must've been cold because I was wearing a dark blue cashmere sweater and dark pants. And so, and under my pants, I wore Lululemons. So I had like spanks on under my pants to hold the belly. And I interviewed at this, at this company, I'm not going to name it. Um, and they gave me a job offer. 
And I told them before I signed, I called the guy that was going to be my manager because I was like, I don't want to go in and then be like, surprise, I'm having a baby in four months, right? So I was like, I'm accepting this offer, but I want to let you know that I am five months pregnant. And, you know, I had this whole plan and then they rescinded the job offer. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I, I have never talked about this before, but I also interviewed for a job while I was pregnant. And it was so crazy because I had my work bestie at my current company and I had actually taken the job and we went outside to talk to each other. And she was also pregnant. We were six weeks apart and she was also taking another job. But I am shocked because I will tell you, I did the exact same thing. I was interviewing. I was not very far along, but I didn't tell them until I got the job offer because I felt that they would never rescind it. That there is some, I'm not saying there's a legal protection around that, but I think a smart person could probably, had you wanted to, craft an argument towards sexism, um, EEOC type claim if somebody did that. So I waited and they proceeded to allow me to go forward. Um, it was a very, I mean, it's a Fortune 500. I do think, you know, they probably had had, you know, somewhere along the lines. I'm sure they've had some, whether it's a meaningful, rightful claim or not, they probably had had some kind. But I am just shocked, honestly shocked that they rescinded it. Um, did you think about that or thinking about any legal action or did you, were you just want to put it behind you? Oh, no, I did. I even had a lawyer um, and we, we did send them, you know, a letter. We went to the EOC, but in the end, honestly, Crystal, they needed so much more evidence than I had. And I think in the end, it was something like I didn't ever receive an official contract from them because it was all word of mouth, but I had like emails. And so in the end, it, it just kind of was a, what do you call it? Like a dead fish out of water. Like it was just, you know, I could have continued pushing or I could have just moved on with my life. And I decided to just move forward. But God works in mysterious waves. I mean, I'm sure that you see this and I, I just want to highlight this for people that are feeling upset or worried or something like this is going on that you don't want to be there anyway. You know, you you want to be a mom and a, pe a person that would rescind a contract for somebody that's pregnant. That just has a whole other can of worms, right? That you just don't want to- so, I dodged a bullet. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, but it was just all of those things that happened made me feel very, I don't want to say, well, for lack of a better word, angry. There was a lot of like fuel in me. And especially because I was having a little girl, I was like, I have to show her what's possible. And I have to show her that like men are not going to dictate my success because everybody that had said no to me was a male up to that point. Yes. That was really important to me. And it was also aided by the fact that my husband was working at Google at the time. Um, he was in a, a leadership role. So, you know, he was earning really well. And he's always been really supportive of all of my dreams and all of my goals. And so he was extremely supportive. And I think that that's also not spoken about is that the division of labor, um, you know, traditional gender stereotypes or gender roles in the home, those things don't really apply in my world because I have a partner who is so advanced, for lack of a better word. Let, let's just take a moment and literally clap for very supportive husbands because I say the same thing. Like, even when I had a really big corporate salary, I mean, what I was making was 
a big salary, but it was still a pale in comparison to what my husband did. And people are shocked when I tell them that my husband is the morning guy. He gets all three of our kids ready to go to school and they have to be at school at 720. He gets them to school, feeds them. Um, and then, you know, he does a lot of other things, including that he's the sports guy. He's the, uh, he takes everybody to all their practices. I mean, he doesn't miss a game. So even though he has a really big job, a very stressful job, he also is very, very, very supportive. And I actually just texted him, where was he on Friday or Saturday? And I was just like, you know, I love my life. I thank you so much because a big part of that is you being supportive. So I love hearing that your husband is also supportive. Um, and I'm sure they probably don't think we tell them enough, but I definitely am thankful. Yeah, it's it's a game changer for sure. Yeah, and on that, um, I don't know if you can share or want to talk about, because uh, you guys, we haven't, we have nothing is planned here. We're just having a conversation about how that role reversal is kind of like working out for you now. Yeah, it was really fascinating because Max went from a decade at Google to um, voluntarily leaving Google um, and we moved to Lisbon, to Portugal. <laughs> so we had this great idea. We're like, you know what? Like New York's getting pretty expensive. I was pregnant again with my second and we had just like bigger visions for our life outside of, you know, Brooklyn, uh, of our like six block radius, because we were, we were not enjoying New York anymore with, with a kid. It was just getting really prohibitive. Uh, and so he took on a new role um, at a crypto company based in Portugal. And within less than a year, he got laid off. And it was the first time in his life, I'd already been laid off twice, uh, that he had been laid off. And I think that first time, if you've ever been laid off, you know this feeling. It's like really bad. It's, 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 a, it's a bad feeling. Uh, but I was shocked that he didn't internalize it. He didn't feel bad. I think he had like one day. And I always think he's like a freak of nature this way, that he doesn't dwell on things. He just like moves on. It's his German nature. But he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm really sad today. Like I really like believed in this company and I, I knew that I was going to bring it forward. But, um, you know, here I am. And and then he decided that he was going to be the stay at home dad. And he's like, you know what? I think it makes so much sense for you to go all in. I'd already been all in for a year and a half, but it was like, no, let's go like all in again with your business and I'll support you even more so that you've got more hours if you want them um, to stay at home. And so he's been at home now for over a year with the kids and he loves it and the kids love it and I love it. <laughs> and yeah, things are just like, they work that way for us now. So we totally kind of reversed roles. Um, but I feel like this was the role he was born to be in. You know, he loves it. <laughs> yeah, that's, am I mean, it's so funny because I tell my husband, sometimes now all three of our kids are in school. So it's a little different of a look and feel for somebody to be home because they're not here all day. Um, but had when they were little, if somebody really needed to be the full-time caregiver, it would have had to be my husband too, because I, I'm always thinking I need to do this. I need to do that. It's, it, it's sometimes I feel like I just need to accomplish things and some, and, and not that being a mom is not accomplishing something. Raising a child is definitely accomplishing something but I needed something more. And it would have also been my husband. <laughs> He's just so much more patient. And I don't know, I think he had already achieved so much in his life that he, you know, 
feels like everything else is just icing on the cake. So I love that for him and I love that for y'all. And it also made me think about something else I've been dwelling on a lot um, that having your family with you so much of the time, I just, you know, and tell me if you think the same thing, but for thousands of years, really until like the 30s, 40s, 50s, families worked on farms together. They had family businesses. They were together. And I feel like that's something that I personally feel like I'm missing. So when your husband is there with you, even, you know, he may be caregiving and you may be working, but the ability to have a lunch, to have a coffee, to go for a walk. I mean, do you think that adds a lot to your life? Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm like, are we the same person? Because we think very similarly. And yes. And that's actually the biggest reason we moved to Mexico City because we've got family here. We haven't lived with family in close to eight years because I'm from Vancouver originally. He's from Berlin, um, well, Dusseldorf. And we never had family clothes. And so we are each other's family, but now we are we still have that, like that luxury to go for breakfast. We always have breakfast together. We always get our little like coffee and our tea together. Um, we'll go for spontaneous lunches. And, you know, it's it's so fun. It almost feels like we're dating. And that's so important, I think, for a marriage. You know, we're celebrating eight years together, eight years, seven years married. So I think it's important. And Mexico, being in Mexico, gives us that family element, that support system that we were missing. And I don't remember the last time I was this content. Oh, I love that. I mean, it's just, it's just so amazing. Um, and, you know, my husband and I are both very routine. So it's hard for us to kind of break out. But when we do that, I mean, his office, I pretty much work from home and his office is one mile from our house. So whenever we have coffee, we'll sometimes I'll ride with him to drop off the kids and then we'll get coffee and we'll sit in the driveway and drink our coffee for half an hour and talk. Aww. Um, and it's just like extra special. And I think about that as I get older, the more and more is like, what do I want to give to my kids? I want to give them that kind of life, the kind of life where you're want to be together as much as possible. And you're not running away from each other because I feel that's what we're missing in our society, that we're just not supposed to be away from our parents, our grandparents, our aunts and uncles and our cousins. Like, we were all together for so many years and now we're not. Um, And so that is the one thing. Yeah. And I know it's not possible and I don't say that to make anybody feel bad where it's not possible for other people. Um, I mean, I have so many aunts and uncles and they are kind of scattered now. But when I was a child, I spent a lot of time with all of my extended family and it just, you know, it's just what drives me. What's your What's your background, Crystal? Like, what's your ethnicity or family origin? Um, we are all um, just American, and crazy enough, we're uh, uh, East Texas, which is like along the Louisiana border, um, from two different small towns. My dad's family is from one, and my mom's family is from another. Um, and then we lived in a suburb of Houston, where my grandparents just happened to live. Um in neighbor, uh, neighborhoods one mile away from each other. And then they were five miles from us. So, so we were just wow. all here. So that's where you get that, like that family yeah. important, yeah. you know, value. That's so fascinating. I thought you were going to say Italian or something. I know. Sometimes I feel like that because we've all, always had a big close family. I mean, we had like 30 people at Christmas every year. Um, and that's all I've ever thought about. Yeah. 
That's amazing. We we did the same with our Mexican side of the family. My dad's Swiss, but they are a lot more nuclear. Like they stay within their immediate circle. Um, where the Mexicans, you know, there's it's, oh, like it's everyone all the, all the time. <laughs> yes, and I love that. Well, um, our nanny, who is basically our extra grandma, she lives three miles away and has her own bedroom at my house. Also, um, she's Colombian and she has thirteen siblings. And she was like, mm, that's really, Crystal, what I like more about being in America. If your family comes to visit, you don't have to host them. In Colombia, they will be like, I am coming and I am staying with you and I might be here for a month. And I said, yeah. that sounds kind of awesome though. And she's like, oh, until they're there for a month. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Which is good and bad, but I really love just having people around. All I can think about is, you know, one day if I have 20 grandchildren, I would just love it. They can be all around. <laughs> oh, I see why you have three children. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, I would have had more, but my husband was rightful in saying, you're going to lose your mind because I'm a little too OCD, a little too clean and organized. Kids don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to pause and say thank you to all the amazing people tuning in and making this show a success. And to share some exciting scoop, I am opening up for the first time ever one-on-one coaching. We have two options available, the Executive Edge two-week program and the Career Catalyst six-week program, which will use my proprietary Earn It framework. If you're ready to propel your professional journey, crush your salary goals, or need someone to coach you through a big career decision, let's conquer it together. Limited spots for unlimited empowerment. Links to sign up will be in the show notes and in the link tree on my Instagram and LinkedIn site. See you there. So all of that to say you're leading this amazing life that you love, that everything has come together for a reason for you. So you had this kind of bad experience and you turned it into something so, so positive. So how, you know, how did you go from really starting your own business, from thinking outside of the box to getting to be an Instagram ambassador? How did you line up or kind of open your mind to the possibilities and let these come into you? Honestly, it was through seeing other women doing it and talking about it. And I didn't even know this whole world existed before before I entered it. And this was now, I'm. this will be my third year of business uh, on my own. Um, but it was just through immersing myself in it and then seeing what was possible. And I would say like, adapting and pivoting quickly. I wasn't like letting myself be scared. Like I remember I launched my first course, which went on to make me six figures um, without even really knowing how to launch a course. I was literally Googling like how to film yourself in a PowerPoint. Like, you know, like I was like piecing it all together as I went. Um, But like, you know, becoming friends with people that have had done it or who had been in this entrepreneur world for a while. Um, like one of my really good friends now, Patrice Polzer, um, she's a master at storytelling and helping people craft their stories. And she was one of my first like mentors, I would say, who was like, film it. She's like, don't even film it. She's like, sell it and then film it. And I was like, oh my God, like, what do you mean sell it before it's ready? And, you know, so it was like, a lot of it was just like being really like, nervous, let's say, but 
going for it anyway and trusting that it was going to work out and trusting that, you know, if you ask yourself, have you ever failed at something like really failed at it hard, like on purpose or, you know, even like something you put your mind to and then it doesn't yield a result that you wanted. It's pretty rare that that happens, that you let something like be an absolute flop. Right. And so that was really like something that pushed me forward and continues to push me forward. I'm like, I will never let something be mediocre. Like that's just not me. Um, and so that, that's been really helpful. Like just knowing myself and the standards that I operate at, um, getting to like, how did I start working with Instagram? Honestly, I still am like shocked by that. I'm still really surprised, you know, out of all the creators out there that they handpick me in my lowest engagement ever. This is the year that I've seen the lowest engagement on Instagram in terms of like likes and, and views and things. Um, and they still came to me and, and asked me to be part of this creator class. And so that I think, to be honest, has just been through, um, through repetitiveness, like doing it day in and day out and not treating it like a hobby. It's not a hobby. It's a full-time job. It's I'm the breadwinner of the family. Right. Um, and in treating it like as if I was reporting to somebody, uh, Instead, I report to myself. <laughs> yeah, but still keeping it like there is some boundaries that have to occur there, right? You, it is a business. You do have to have some dedication, some discipline around what you're doing. Um, and so when we think about people just living the life, and I'm, I'm sure you have a lot to say about this. I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, how do I make a million dollars by working one hour a day? I mean, Good for you if you have so many products that are selling and you've set up funnels or whatever. I do believe it's possible, but to think that that is going to occur for like the vast majority of people is crazy. So if you want to do something different, if you want to be a small business owner, whether it's owning a laundromat or, you know, being your own law firm or being a content creator, there is consistent work to be done. Yeah. It just is what it is. Yeah. And nothing is truly passive. Nothing. No. You know, even if it means you're just paying payroll, you, there is nothing that's not going to require work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you made a really good point in saying that like there's so many, apparently so many people that are like selling this like quick win, dream life, like multi six figure months. And it's something I've been actually talking about a lot in my content this year. And I'm so excited to see other creators now are doing the same, like they're following suit. And it's it's so important for people to realize that none of this happens overnight. Like, you know, it took me three years. Instagram reached out to me my first year to do one reel for them to announce their bonus program. And even then I was like, how did I get on their radar? Um, but then it took two years after that. I didn't hear from them for two years. And then two years later, they came back to me and now they come back to me all the time. And I'm like, whoa, like I, there was a point there where I thought like I was off their radar, like they've moved on. Right. But in terms of also like earnings, you know, it's not going to happen that you make 50K, 100K months your first year of business or your first th three months of business or by selling a $24 product the way you've been trained to believe is possible. Is it possible? Yes, it's 100% possible. But 
the chances of it happening for you are very, very slim to none. Those crazy examples that you're seeing, those crazy stories of people going viral or whatever, hitting six figures in, in, in seven days off of their free product, whatever, right? It's like crazy. Um, those are outliers. And I talk about this a lot because I don't believe in selling false dreams. I don't believe in fake program promises or making claims that I can't like verify or show proof of result with. And that is just like such a problem in the social media um, industry right now. Yeah, I totally agree. That did remind me of the one thing I wanted to ask about with your original course and how did you transition or how did you find the process of like really selling? Like saying, hey guys, I have a product. It is for sale and not being worried about what other people would think. Because I think that holds a lot of people up that have been in corporate or behind the scenes or doing something different where you haven't had to really be out there. Like, this is what I'm doing. You know, I need people to buy it from me. How was that? Yeah. So number one, start a new account. <laughs> like, do not use your personal account. Uh, yeah, because then you're just going to be like, oh gosh, like Sarah's looking or Paul, my old manager's on here, you know, and that's like, you don't need that. You don't need that energy. Um, but yeah, so start a new account. And for me, I I just talked about it. I talked about it often. I went, I opened the doors for way too long. It was like open for like, I think three or four weeks. And so every day I was talking about it, which was great practice. Um, there's a reason I sold so much, but don't recommend that long of a cart open. The energy to do that is exhausting. Um, and I think like at the time, I didn't rely on my emails. I only did, I think, 10 emails in, in eight days. Whereas now I would have been talking about that daily in the emails. And I probably would have made like three times what I'd made just by doing Instagram. Um, but I think it's just like, Knowing that you have something that's going to help somebody is agency enough for me. Um, and how do you like get around the fact that your peers are watching or that other people who are also selling something similar and maybe have more experience than you uh, are watching? And all of this happened to me. Like I have like some of the biggest accounts out there follow me and they watch my stories. They never engage. They're just watching. And there was this one woman who I will not name, uh, who would actually get into my DMs and she would be like, this isn't true or this isn't accurate. Uh, something I would say about Instagram strategy. And I was so insecure my first year that I would apologize to her. And I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I thought that this was the, the thing, like whatever. And she continued to drop into my DMs up until late last year, when I finally just stood up to her and I said, listen, these are things based off of my experience. And these are proven strategies that work. And I said, I don't need you to validate my experience or what I know to be true. And she went away after that. <laughs> but it's hard. And I would, I would get like, crippling anxiety crystal. Like I would say something or have a perspective that was different from what all the other coaches are saying out there. And now everyone says what I say. And I'm just like, yeah, because you saw that I said it. I'm sorry, but like, that's how yeah. it works. Yeah. 
And yeah, but I don't, I don't feel anxiety anymore. I just say it. I know it. I stand by it. And I know that what I teach brings results. So that's empowering. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that we're talking about this in the moment because I was just dwelling over this guy that came back and he kind of had a weird comment on one of my LinkedIn posts a week or so ago. And then he came back and posted again. And I was like, who is this guy? And I was just trying to debate with myself. You know, I wasn't going to give it too much energy, but just debating, should I block him? Like what is going on? Because basically he was like, people, you don't need to pay a coach for anything. Hey, I feel like, and I said this, I have mentored so many young women. I am mentoring several right now for free. And I put out a lot of content. Okay. So the fact that I'm going to launch a course and I'm going to pay for it, and I do take limited, because I still have a regular job too, limited coaching. I was just like, why is this guy even taking the time to say this? Why is he coming onto my posts? I'm not like full throttle selling people like, hey, buy from me, buy from me, buy from me, buy from me. This is the only way. This is all, you know, but it was just so weird. And I figured, you know, I've got to have a strategy for dealing with this because the more you interact with people, the more you talk to people, I think the more of these people are going to come out of the woodworks. Oh, yeah. And the more you put yourself out there, it's like people think it's an open invitation and they forget that there's a human behind it. And like, yeah, I think the way I sometimes think about it is like, wow, I, I triggered some kind of pain in this person. Like I triggered this person so much about their own shortcomings or misgivings or insecurities that they felt the need to bring me down and tear me down. And then all of a sudden you reframe it and you start to feel bad for that person and you start to have more compassion for them. And I feel like that anxiety and that anger and that like quick to trigger response just kind of dissipates. And that's helped me a ton. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on Instagram, I know that on your account, you grew it totally organically. Are you against Instagram ads or do you just feel like it's not right for most people? Oh, I love that question. Um, honestly, I'm not against ads at all. Um, I'm probably going to have to start doing ads next year if I want to scale to like whatever next figure amount. I'm like, whatever. At what point is it enough? <laughs> um, no, it's enough. But I, I don't talk about Instagram ads or coach ads because it's not my expertise. Um, the last time I ran ads, I was working for Share the Meal at the United Nations, and that was in 2015. So my experience running ads is very limited. It's not new. Um, although ads have not changed very much, I do have like an understanding of how they function in campaigns and goals. Um, but I think for the average person, they get ads wrong. And that's partial, partially because of Instagram and how easy they make it seem to boost a post inside of Instagram, for example, right? You click a little button, boost that post for $5. seems really inexpensive to get you know, an extra 3000 pair of eyeballs on your, on your page. I'm like, that sounds like a great deal. Why wouldn't you do that? But the problem with that is that it becomes a bit of like a vicious circle where you start to pay for impressions that you probably don't deserve organically. Your content, especially beginning and in, in the beginning, when you're starting out an account in the first couple of years, believe it or not, 
Your message is probably not clear yet. Your offer is probably not clear yet. So I think it's a bit of a waste of time if you're just boosting posts without a campaign objective, without an overarching strategy about like, where are you going to funnel people along their customer journey, right? Like they're going to land on your page and then what happens? And let's say you've got like um, a lead magnet or an email that they go and subscribe to. Then what? Then what, right? And so that's where I feel like a lot of people hit dead ends with ads is that they assume that the ad is going to fix all of their problems and be the solution to like a decline in in engagement, a decline in reach and a decline in sales. And they're a band-aid in in a sense. I don't think, or they're an amplification. And so they will only serve, I think, to amplify your problem because you're going to spend more money and you're not going to know why people are not converting. Hmm. That's so fascinating. I love that. I think that's good information for people that hear, um, again, back to the whole overarching theme of it's not that easy to make a million dollars a year. You're not going to just set up a few posts, have some ad strategy and boom, it's going to run through. It's going to take trial and error, take time. And to your point about the messaging, I completely agree. I started out with this idea of this is what I care about. This is what I want to talk about. But how did that come out? And I I feel like I'm probably only at 75% on where my message and where I think it needs to go and really being honed in. Um, and it's come a long way in the last, I guess it's been like really 12 to 14 months since I've really been working on these things. Um, so I could not agree more. It's kind of like what I tell people about when you build or buy a house or whatever, like don't go out and fully furnish the house the first two months because you need to feel the house. You need to, what is the house saying to you? What does the house need? What does it want? What do you want it to look like? Like you really don't know until you live there a little bit. Um, and I would say that's absolutely true on messaging as well. I know that we are going to run out of time and I could keep talking forever. So maybe we need to have you back in the new year. Let's do another one. Um, But I wanted to ask two final things. Um, One, what are your top three tips for somebody who's starting a new business Instagram? I think one is like, understand. And this is what I told someone yesterday. He's a uh, what is he? Uh, I don't know what how to call him. He, he does conferences. He's a professional speaker. Oh yes, and, yes. And so he's never done Instagram. And we're going to do a trade. Actually, he's going to teach me to become a better speaker, and I'm going to teach him how to use Instagram to get more speaking engagements. Um, but what I told him right off the bat is, I said, "This is not going to be. You post for 30 days, or you post for three weeks." And then you have this huge following that's ready to buy from you and they love you and they're always going to be around. I was like, this is a long game and you're going to have to carve out time in your week to dedicate to this platform if it if you want it to become a lead generator and a conversion channel. And he was like, absolutely. Right. So that's the first thing is like, do not buy into all of the hype around. It's so easy to go viral. It's so easy to gain 50,000 followers in a year. It's so easy to make six figures in a month. It is not, like you said, none of this is easy. Add it to your to-do list every single day because that's what it's going to be. The second thing I would say is if you don't possess all of the skills and all of the knowledge, don't be afraid to invest. Do your homework, of course. Like, Take a look. Is there a clear program promise? Does the price 
correspond to the transformation that's being offered. Um, take a look, do your due, due diligence about that creator or that um, that coach, right? Go and take a look on LinkedIn, Google them. Um, do they actually possess this skill set that they are selling to you or did they only do it for themselves? That's really important. But don't be afraid to invest. And that doesn't mean $20,000. It means like, $400 here, $200 here, you know, um, and and level up, level up, level up. And then I think number three is don't give up when it stops working because it will stop working at some point. It always does. And you have to just pivot. You've got to understand, you know, how can you take a look at your content, reevaluate it, Come up with a different angle, a different idea, a different series. Because think about your own con- like consumer habits, your own viewing habits. We're constantly looking to be entertained or educated or to learn in a new way, or you know. So the same way your audience will be thinking, and you need to be able to pivot, not take things personally, and just keep going. I love it. Those are great three actionable tips. One, it takes work. It's a job. You're going to have to invest time. Two, don't be afraid to invest some money. If you want to treat it like a business, most businesses you have to invest in. And three, don't give up when it starts working. And I really love that because I talk about all the time, the power of the pivot, the power of the pivot. If something is not serving you, if you are not reaching your happiness, your fulfillment, your joy, pivot. It's never too late. You're never too old. There's always something new, amazing to learn and do. So pivot, pivot, pivot. Um, So I love that. That's awesome. The last thing I wanted to ask you, just a really quick, what is your 30 second, 45 second, whatever take on sharing your children on social media to build a following? Uh, I'm just curious. I have mixed feelings. I have mixed feelings. I have so far not done that. I have a private... I have a private social media page where I share, you know, with my family and friends, but I have not. And I'm just curious, but I have other friends that like, I have two people I know pretty well who are influencers with 60,000 followers and, you know, it's a lifestyle brand and they show their kids. Um, so if they're listening, don't judge me. I'm just curious. (laughs) Yes. Um, I don't judge anybody that posts their children. I think it's a deeply personal choice and one that everyone should be able to decide on. Uh, that being said, <laughs> my own personal opinion is I would I do not share my children on my public account. Uh, when I do post them, I cover their faces with stickers um, or I do like their backs. And that is primarily because I have extensive knowledge into... Um, like the dark web, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, my husband used to work for Google and um, I worked for the UN, primarily helping children. So we were briefed on a lot of, you know, things. Uh, so I don't post my children. There's a lot of bad actors out there. There's a lot of um, child pornography and uh, terrible, terrible things. And so that's that's number one, why I don't do it. Even like when people post their kids in the bath, I'm like, don't do that. Oh my like, gosh. Even on my private, in my private, when I see people do that, I am just, I I think at one point my husband was like, stop saying it. Please stop saying it, Crystal. I know how you feel about it. And I'm like, I know, but I can't believe they would do this. I just am very sensitive to that. And it's, 
And the reason I'm asking now is because I happened to be looking yesterday at a cute little photo of one of my children. And I was like, gosh, I kind of want to share this because I just love them. I want people to see how amazing they are. But then I just said, it's, I just feel like it's not worth it. And it doesn't really go with my brand anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing is like, we're living in a time, I think it's the first time where our children will grow up with this like digital footprint that we didn't, right? Like Mm -hmm. we first started posting on Facebook when we were in college probably. um, And we were able to make poor decisions, but decisions (laughs) about what we posted and if we wanted to be tagged in a picture. And so I think that that would be devastating to me if I was like creating this massive digital footprint that was public of my children's lives. And then they hit a a stage where they were like, WTF, like get rid of this. And then you can't, like you can to an extent, but don't forget that everything you post on Instagram, whether it's private or not, Meta owns that. So yeah, that's pretty intense. Well, that again, everybody, it's not to judge. It's not to saying whatever way you want to do it. Um, I mean, I listen, I love blogs. I had a blog before I was even married and I, some of the people that, oh my gosh, one of the girls that I followed that I interacted with regularly has 500,000 followers on Instagram. I just happened to find her again. And I was like, holy shit. Um, maybe I should have been staying on that train a long time ago, but I love seeing other people's kids. I love lifestyle blogs. So I am not judging. I am not hating. I was just curious of another opinion. Um, because I kind of go back and forth for me personally. Um, but I think this has been such a brilliant conversation car. I have loved talking to you today. Thank you for bringing all your expertise, all your charisma to the audience for get clear. Um, Besides helping people figure out how to digitize and uh, market themselves, you know, do you have anything else that you want to share um, or anything that's coming up? I will be hosting a live workshop at the end of November um, called Fast Forward Insta. And it's my live training step by step how I'm using AI uh, to 100x my content creation. And I say that laughing because it's just blown my mind how quickly I'm able to create content these days. And if you're keen on learning more about growing your following and making more sales in 90 days, uh, you can take a look at my social department. It's my group coaching program, and that will be opening again in 2024. And yeah, if you are listening to this and you liked it, please send me a DM and say hi. I'd love to hear that you came from here. So that's great. I have loved this. Everybody, Remember, part of what we're doing here is bringing new ideas, new ways of living, loving, building a career that works for you, works for your family. If you are feeling unstable or unsatisfied in some area, that means you are meant for more there. So don't give up. Don't despair. Know that you can stay open, that things are going to come to you, that life has a way of giving back to those who are open and want to work for it. And I know you're made for more and you know you're made for more. So don't settle. Life is out there. Happiness is out there. Find it, make it your own, whether it's doing what you're doing today in a better way or doing something totally different. These are why we have guests of all different shapes, sizes, what, you know, opportunities. So until next time, keep getting clear. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to create a career you love, get the salary you deserve, and build the confidence to live life on your own terms, sign up for my free newsletter where you'll get actionable tips to raise your worth, build your wealth, create freedom, and create a life you absolutely love. Head over to crystalwaremedia.com to sign up or click the link in the show notes and join thousands of others making their dreams a reality. Whether you're just embarking on the journey or well on your way, the Worthful Newsletter has something for you. See you next week.